This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. So how many of you listening right now drive a Ford car? This if guy. I this, do. F-150. This guy. It's an F-150. Is that a truck? You bet. Is that a big truck? It's a big truck. It's it's a four by four. I don't. It's good. You, you don't make a big deal out of it. But you know, you know, I'm sure you know the the history of Ford yep. Motor Company, right? Henry Ford started the motor company, and it's legendary because right. everybody knows about the assembly line, right? The assembly line where it's you have the parts that go down the the treadmill, and they're all every but treadmill, and it's a technical term treadmill, and everybody adds <laughs> things to it, you know, puts stuff onto yeah. it, on, and makes up this part. you? in manufacturing I'm, like, I'm don't an you know the names of these things i think it's I a conveyor belt conveyor and belt. i'm not in manufacturing i, I don't, don't want to talk over your head or anybody's head <laughs> during this podcast by throwing stuff out there that's just highly technical oh but, okay all right oh, well yeah sure the treadmill thing a lot of a lot of so they're working on their treadmill assembly line yeah. whatever you want to call conveyor belt whatever you want to call it before they had that, which I know a lot of you probably don't remember this, but before they had that, they used to take a car, the parts, and they'd throw it into a room and a team would assemble the car and it would take them a full day. It'd take them 12 hours to assemble a whole car. And so imagine your day at work. So you go into work in the morning and when you leave, the car's done. You just made a car. What'd you do today? I made a car. That's pretty neat. I made a car. That's great. Well, at some point they figured out the assembly line. And so your job changed from making a car. What did you do today? I made a car to, I sanded a spoke. 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 And that's what you do all day long in the assembly line. Now it's legendary for Ford because it changed the time to make an automobile from 12 hours to two and a half hours. Nice. That's incredible productive productivity improvement. That's amazing improvement that they were able to make with the assembly line. However, and this is the part of the story that's not told very often, the workers at the plant became very, very unhappy and they actually started to quit. They started to leave. In fact, Ford's turnover went up 400%. They had 400% turnover at Ford Motor Company when they, they put in the assembly line. Workers described the assembly line as an alien planet, like a place that they just didn't feel like, they felt like all the humanity had been sucked out of the room. You think about it again, your job used to be, I used to make this car at the end of the day, I could look at this car. And now your job is to do this one thing over and over and over again. You don't get to see the bigger picture. So Ford had to compensate for that. The, the prevailing wage at the time was $1.50 a day. And they started to have to pay $5 per day just to make up for that. So they had to pay, imagine you're making $40,000 a year in your job and your employer comes in and says, okay, to keep you all of you, we're going to start paying you $120,000 a year. That's kind of what Ford had to do. Now, fortunately, the assembly line idea was good enough that they could do that, that they could pay their workers. Ford since has spun that to say, well, we were the first to pay like living wages for employees and that kind of thing. But they really had to pay it initially to keep employees inside and, and to keep working at Ford. So what's happening here? In our discussions, our last few podcasts, we've been talking about what followers need. And so for this episode, we're going to talk about one of the things that followers need, which is hope. I tell that story about the Ford assembly line because those workers who came in every day, they got to see a more successful company. They got to be paid more money, but yet their job satisfaction was significantly reduced. 
because they couldn't see what they were trying to accomplish at the end of the day. The leaders had taken away this concept of hope away from them. So we're going to talk about hope. What can you do as a leader to provide hope for your employees? Why is it so important? And when we talk about hope too, I want to add one more thing. When we talk about hope, some of you are listening to this going, oh my gosh, I can't wait to learn about hope in my job. This is going to be great. <laughs> And then there's others in there's others out there listening, Diana, who might say like, why do people care about this? This is I I go to work to do my job. I don't need hope. What's hope have to do with this? So we're going to try to translate what does hope mean for you go getters out there who just like to get stuff done at work. So, Matt, take us away. Thanks, Don. And, you know, one of the best ways to frame this, we were talking about internally, you know, as people centric, when we're working with different clients, it doesn't matter what type of organization you are, it doesn't matter where you're located in the country, there's, there's really five sets of systems that we want to help you focus on to be able to be a, a high performing culture. One of those systems is the people system, do we have the right people in the right roles, the job descriptions, that stuff, the communication part of it there, do we have a mechanism for proactive, intentional communication to take place, the management system, System. Are we supporting our managers with leadership development and teaching them what it looks like to be a, a manager of people? The process system, are the processes reliable? Are they effective? Are they efficient? Those types of things. And then finally is this strategy system. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because to me, it seems like, you know, as we were talking about this, if I don't have strategy, a strategy system in place, or if everybody can't share in the vision of where we're going, have we all defined winning the same way? Or are we defining winning in the administration room or the exec room or the boardroom or whatever? We're not then filtering this to all of the employees that we're hopefully trusting to do this great work for us to achieve these things, uh, you know, then, then all we have is hope. And, and many, many organizations that we work with, and I wrote this down, no strategy, then all you have is hope. And most of our clients start there. I think when we're interacting with our, our teams, or, or uh, I'll say it this way, when we're interacting with the people that typically pick up the phone and call us, right? And they're like, we need help, we need support. They would probably have a good answer, or at least a lot of them would have a good answer for strategy. This is what I'm, I'm, uh, you know, this is what we're driving towards. Here are our objectives. These are the things we're working on. But then when we actually get to dive into those clients and get to work with them, we ask those employees the same question. And most of the time, they don't have an answer. And I would say nine times out of 10, they don't have an answer. Uh, recently working with a hospital that, that has great vision, a great idea of what vision looks like, a couple of, of good hospitals that I can think of right now, they would have you know, a great answer for what success and strategy and vision looks like. But then the employees really don't, don't share that. And not because they don't want to, but because they don't know. Then all of a sudden, they're that person making you know, the assembly line Ford vehicle there that Don was talking about. So Don, you talked about this earlier and I, and I want to just continue to frame it just a little bit, but you were talking about strategy and you were linking this word hope to purpose and why. Talk about that. Yeah, I think that hope is, you know, the feeling that you get, right? It's the emotion that you feel, but I think it really links back to a couple of other concepts that you've probably heard before. This idea of when we know why we do what we do, we do it better as humans. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the idea of knowing the purpose of what I do. And there's lots of studies on this. Theoretically, if humans weren't involved, all you have to know is what you do. And if everybody performs their job at a high level, you don't need to know why you're doing it. Just do your thing and turn it in. And then the, the aggregate will turn out what the machine needs you to turn out. But since we're dealing with humans and we're trying to become more people centric, 
people fundamentally are motivated by three things. And this is called self-determination theory. If you want to look it up, no big deal, but it's called self-determination theory. But we're all motivated as humans by three things. Number one, we were, we're motivated when we work within our strengths. I get to do what I'm good at doing. Number two, when we get to have some choice over how we do it. So we feel like we're making an impact on it because of the decisions that we make on a day-to-day -day basis. And then number three, and this is an important one, is that we feel like there's a purpose to what we do. We understand why we're doing what we're doing. And I think hope is very much related to that. If you show up and you have a job every single day, we work with a manufacturer. We were talking to people on the assembly line and they, 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 were, they said, every day I come in and there's this big pile of parts in front of me. And at the end of the day, that huge mountain of parts is just a little bit smaller. And then somewhere overnight, somebody refills that big pile and I come in and we never, ever conquer the mountain. I just show up every day and I just do this and we never, we never work our way down. I never know how we're impacting the customer. I never know how much stuff we're making. I don't have any prospects for even getting a raise. I just show up every day and the job is the same. We as humans, we actually need more than that. And we don't perform very well in those circumstances. I think most of you, as I described that, could put yourself in that perspective and think how terrible would that job be if you had that where you just show up to work every day and you don't understand what kind of impact you're making or why you're doing what you're doing the reason that hope is important is because we're humans and that's what we need yeah and i equated that earlier to you know we were talking about hope is more than a job description i like how you just said that where if, if, if humans weren't doing it if it was simply a machine or a robot that was telling it here's here's your job here's your task you know spit that out and then you're going to get the desired result but then we as humans i don't want to say we muck it up but we do make it a little more complex uh, we do make it a little more complicated and and being able to provide hope is one of those things that's important to to humans as well bethany yeah, as you were talking, whenever I think about providing hope for people, I think it's there's a difference between reacting and responding, like initiating or responding, I guess is a better way to put it. And so are you initiating and creating hope for people? Or are you just constantly reacting to everything that's going on? And I think about, you know, just the difference between that, because if you're ever been in a, if you've ever been in an environment where it's very reactionary or your leader is acting in that way and they're just reacting to everything that's that's coming every single day it feels very chaotic and it's very hard to function in that kind of environment i think of and i never equated it with this but i think about my weeks with my kids and how i sit and i like to plan out my week and i'll sit like this morning i sat for an hour and i basically just like planned out the week. I wrote everything down that's on my calendar. I looked at the other things that I needed to do and sort of plugged them in where I needed them to, to be. I added sort of the extra things, the things that we want to do in excess as a family or just to for downtime, things like that. And so that way, when my kids ask me, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? Or what are we doing this weekend? Or what's happening with this? I can sit down and I had some of these conversations with them before they went to bed last night. I can sit down with them and say, well, tomorrow this is happening. And then the next day, this is what we're going to do. And then whenever they hit a day where they're like, I do not want to do this today. I don't want to go to school today. I can say, you know what? That's okay. I totally understand it. But tomorrow, if we can get through today, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's going to be really fun. And it's the same kind of idea within your businesses. If you're not setting aside that time to kind of create that vision and create those plans, then when you have those conversations and you're communicating that with your team, you're able to create that hope because you're showing them what there is to look forward to. You lost me at, you sat down for an hour to map out what your week is going to look like. 
That sounds awful. That's where I tuned but, back in. I was I like, yeah. It. I love it. Because I, if I don't, oh my gosh, then I would feel chaotic. I would feel that chaos personally. So. I mean, yeah. And I get it. I, I get it. This is where the human part comes, right? Some of us interpret it that way. And other people are like, no, man, no, I don't even know what, I don't even know where my next meal's coming from, man. I don't even know. Like we're going to figure it out. Diana, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I struggle with words like hope and compassion and a lot of the things that we talk about when we're being people centric. And I have trouble separating hope from stability. Like I feel like those two are very linked in leadership qualities, right? I think part of providing hope is providing that stability and just keeping all of that together for people. It's probably a great point. And Diana, just knowing you for as long as I have, that's probably part of your personality, right? Your, your joy, yeah. your purpose is stability. Like that is routine yeah. are the things that make you comfortable. So for you, that links together. I'll bet that's not true for everybody. I, I'll bet that's not true for Matt. I'll bet hope and stability don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> no. Yeah. Stability sounds, I mean, I guess it's comforting, but it sounds very not fun. I don't know. But I get <laughs> you'll, have to, I, you'll have to all catch our podcast on stability recently <laughs> that just got released too. Just yeah. to check that out. I think we read it differently, but but Diana, you started an activity and you didn't even know you were going to start it, but I had it written down here. I was going to throw this out here and I do like to, I like, I do like to do these impromptu things, but so you said hope is part of hope is providing stability, right? And so let's do kind of a word association thing again here. If you were to finish that, like hope is what? Diana said providing stability. You can go again, Diana, if you had another one, but hope is what? Just for the listeners that are, are still trying to wrap my, well, how do I, I get it. It's good. How do I tangibly provide it? What are some of those things? Diana, what were you going to say? I was going to say hope is also for me, goals for the future. Like if you can tell me where we're going and what we're doing and, and have some, have some realistic goals set that I can help you accomplish. That's hopeful for me. But if you want to tell me something like, we're going to make $50 million and not have a plan for that. That's de hopeful. Yeah. I just what's the opposite of hopeful. I think it's funny. I think, I don't know what, I don't know if de hopeful is, is actually <laughs> unhopeful. Anyway, it's funny the, how, you know, the different humans, how we even as a team interact differently. I wrote down five things in anticipation for my hope is activity. And neither one of the first two that you wrote are made my list of five. But I think that's, I think that's interesting. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> what are you guys? I'll start, I'll start like this and may, maybe goals are right there. But one of the first ones was like, hope is creating vision. You know, we take, we talk about strategy and vision. A lot of, a lot of that is as the same, but it's one thing to create kind of a vision in your strategic planning session, but then it's another thing to be able to then go voice what that vision is to your people. And that's part of our job as well as a manager of people being able to, to forward forecast, uh, celebrating successes. I think hope is also celebrating successes, like taking just a second to be able to say, man, look what you did as Diana curls her lip. I saw that. I saw you curl your lip and celebrating successes. But I think, I think that's what also hope is. Like, in my, how often do we talk to employees that are like, I don't even know. I never have those conversations. I don't know if I'm doing well. I don't know if I'm not doing well. I trust I'm doing well because if I'm not, that's the only time my boss will actually come talk to me. You know, it, it, am, am I hitting the mark? Am I not? And I think nine times out of 10, just to finish that thought, even if they're, they're doing poorly, they want to know about that too. They want to know that also, like, am I doing, should I be doing something different? So I think hope is celebrating successes, creating vision, teamwork, uh, hope. If you have a team uh, that, that has hope, you probably see good teamwork 
involved in the in the team creativity where people aren't afraid to kind of share responses or they're they also know what the end game is uh, they've had that vision that goal setting that that drives from the hope category there problem solving uh, they're not afraid to jump in and kind of problem solve those those types of things so that's my list of five there but i know i had a i had a jump start on it so who else would like to play hope is what I was thinking, Diana, you said futuristic goals. And to me, I was thinking not necessarily goals, but more of hope is the future outcome. So not necessarily the goals, but the outcome of the futures. I love that. I think that that's what the core of hope, right? Something is going to happen in the future or some kind of output in the future. It's not inspiration. I think that's different. I also think about, I love history and I have heard stories of during the Vietnam War of prisoners of war being in, you know, put in horrible situations, spending years and years in, in captivity. And there are some of them who would always try to be very optimistic. And then there were some who would try to be a little bit more realistic. And it turns out this, there was a study done on it. And it was actually the ones that were more realistic about what was happening were, did better than being optimistic. So there's something different between optimism and hope. Those are not the same types of things. So I think some people are saying, you know, I, I've heard business owners out there who, who use the word hope and say, well, you know, things have not been going well. We're not making any profits. We're not succeeding. And I hope things get better. That's not really providing hope to other people. That's, that's just, that's reckless optimism. Hope is really saying, I, we need to work together to come up with a better future. So sometimes ironically to some of you might, for some of you, generating hope for people might not be just being optimistic about it. It might actually be more realistic. Hey, look, we're in a bad situation right now, but I really hope that we can come out of it together. And here's what we're trying to do. What ideas do you all have to help us get through this? That creates that creating something as a team. It goes back to what Bethany said, and you're trying to make some future impact that allows for hope. And I love how you tied those two things together, by the way, of, of making it a little more not pie in the sky, but realistic. And there's a, it's almost like if you finish that thought, we have hope, but there's a reason that we have hope. So we have hope for this and this is the outcome, but we also have a plan to, you know, that we hope works, right? We have a plan to make it happen. It's not just a, it's not a fortune cookie, so to speak <clears throat> like that. It's a, it's a thought out. Uh, we have a plan, a plan of action to create. That's why we have hope because we know what we're doing. I like, I like that thought. So what if maybe we don't have it? What if we don't have hope? What if I'm a manager or a team, you know, and, and I can't find it in myself. Uh, I'm a manager of a team or a leader of a team, and I can't find hope within myself. Like I, I, I've kind of lost sight of what that looks like too. What are, how do we regain that? Or how do you tackle that? I mean, Diana, what thoughts do you have? Well, I love this question because I'm not exactly one of those people who are optimistic or generally hopeful or positive in any way. So I will tell you that when I am the most not hopeful, I look for it in my team, right? Because Don is always hopeful. That's one of the most amazing traits about Don is that he's always hopeful. And so if I can use my realism and give a picture of what's going on and he can use his inspiration it makes a great combination. So we do it together. And I look for it, you know, I'll ask Bethany, like, what are you hopeful for? Not How can you help me see some good stuff that's happening? You know, because I don't necessarily do that on my own, but I love that my team does it. Yeah, finding it, finding it as a strength. You know, Don talked about whenever people get to operate within their strengths, then that's a better, that's better for the team there for that individual and finding that even finding that hope within within your team. I think that's a good parallel there. Don, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I really agree with that. It's got to be real hope. 
not false hope, right? And then you've, you've heard that before. To, to me, if, if hope doesn't exist someplace, I think that I go seek it. Like to me, it's, it's, it's fundamental enough to who I am and what I believe in that if, if I feel hopeless in a situation, I'm like, something's got to change here. Something significant has to change. If that's a job, and I've been in a couple jobs where I probably started to feel hopeless and I've switched jobs or before doing that, you know, we talked about this in past podcasts, at least raise your hand and ask, start asking questions. Start saying, you know, what, what, where are we headed? What is the future of this look like? Is there a bigger picture? Start to go outside maybe your, your, your normal circles to try to get a bigger perspective of what's happening someplace. We see this a lot. I'm very active in community leadership. We see this a lot in community leadership. Some of the people who are the most down on the community are also the ones that are the most tied into their very close-knit circle. And they don't have the full perspective of everything that's going on. So they, they feel really down when they hear something because they feel hopeless about it. Hopeless is another way of saying powerless, I think in some ways. And if you feel powerless, then you're gonna try to go find where can you be powerful. And that's unfortunately, a lot of people go to social media because I can be powerful on social media and say, those idiots, they don't do this and they don't do this. But that's kind of, that's not really a hopeful message. That's a hopeless message of everybody's stupid around me other than me. And I've seen folks fall into that trap before and you end up being really bitter and not very happy with yourself. So I, I think that we need to, I, we need that hope. That's a piece that we really need. I think what, you know, one of the things that you said kind of jogged my memory just a little bit. I don't know if you are familiar with Jocko Willink. Uh, Jocko has a Jocko podcast and he's this author, podcaster. He's a retired, retired Naval officer with the Navy SEALs and just like the epitome of like this savage, right? Like he's, he's, he's great with his thoughts and his words. And I recently heard him talking to a group of other military servicemen and they were talking about like, what if the situation you're in sucks? That's what that's, that was the whole topic of the conversation. Like it sucks. And that's the place where we find ourselves without hope. And he, he said, if I find myself in a situation where it just sucks, I like it. And he said, I like it. Now I, I probably also understand that it took him a while to get there, but he said, the reason why I like it is because one, it doesn't take me very long to look around and find somebody who's in a worse situation than I am. But two, I also know that this situation I am in is grinding me and shaping me. I'm going to have a story to tell. I'm going to have a victory dance to do. Like I have a situation to be able to climb out of. And so Don, you, you talk about embracing the suck there. A similar situation here that Jocko was talking about where if I am in that situation, man, I have learned to embrace it because I know I'm the other side of this situation is kind of where that hope stands, right? I've been through these things before. It's challenging, it's trying, but man, I'm going to come out on the other side of this and it's going to be great. There's a story I heard this weekend about the photographer who is, he's a videographer who shot the video of the flag raising at Iwo Jima, you know, the famous image of the soldiers pushing the flag up. And there was, yeah. a lot of people don't know, I didn't realize this, I guess, until this weekend, I watched a documentary on it. There were actually two photographers. <clears throat> There's one that shot the photograph, which was famous. And then there was a guy that actually shot video standing right next to him. So they caught it on video, putting that up, which ended up being really important because the photographer was accused of staging that picture when it didn't yeah. realize that it was actually live, that that actually happened as exactly happened as it occurred. And the videographer was key to capture that. Well, that videographer almost wasn't there because in a previous battle, he had been wounded severely enough that they allowed him to go home. He was put up for a medal of honor because he had been wounded and ended up saving like his whole platoon. And he had took out like nine soldiers, enemy soldiers after he had been hit. And I mean, just did this amazing acts of heroism. 
and everything. And then the army said, well, we would give you like a, a, this medal of honor, like you totally would have earned it, but you're only a videographer. We tried to save it for infantry, even though he was totally infantry on that day. Like he wasn't, yeah. he was, he was not working as a videographer on that day. They said, we don't, we try not to give medal of honors to videographers. Yeah. And imagine, and then they said, and by the way, now you're injured enough that you can go home if you want. And he ended up saying, no, I want to go back into battle. And they asked him like, why the heck would you want to do that? Like you just got messed, you just got wounded. You just got messed over badly. Like your government just said, you know, thanks for, for that, but no thanks in a way. But he went back into battle and he said that his why was working with the other people that he got to see. He wanted to tell their story and to be yeah. with them. So he was really clear about what his purpose was. Yeah. So even in situations that seemed hopeless from the outside, his hope was in that moment, I can capture the story and I can still help people. And he ended up dying in the Battle of Iwo Jima shortly after video, videographing, videoing, videoing that famous picture of the flag raising. But even though that was ended up being a hopeless situation for him, he found hope by finding a different purpose. I think that's one of the themes we can, you know, we're, we're kind of continuing to pick up on is even in the midst of, I do not have the hope, that's probably not a great situation. We could talk about, well, you know, what, a, what does a person look like that doesn't have any hope? And, you know, what does a team look like that doesn't have any hope and those types of things. But, but I think the more important situation is recognizing I'm in a place where I don't have a lot of hope man, how do I react to that situation? And then what can I do proactively to try to go and get, go and gain some, uh, some ground so I can also gain some of that, that hope, some of that vision, some of that, uh, you know, collaboration there. Yeah. If you want to read that guy's story, his name's Bill Ganaust is the name of the, the videographer. Uh, it's an interesting story. All right. So I think it's time. Let's go ahead and uh, hear some thoughts from the team here. Well, again, we have uh, Bethany, Diana, Don, we're all on the call right now. And, and uh, this is what we like to do at the end of the podcasts where we go around and maybe give a quick tip based on the topic. So again, the topic of hope and leadership here, what does that uh, look like? What's your tip of the day here? Diana? I would say that hope sounds really fluffy, but it doesn't have to be. So if you don't feel like you want to give your team hope, at least give them a clear future outlook. I think that's kind of what we're equating hope to is something for the future. Yeah. And, and Diana, you had talked about hope is stability, hope is goals, uh, those types mm -hmm. of things too. So it doesn't yeah. have to be that emotional fluff word. There's some, there's some bones to it too. Bethany. I would say what I was talking about earlier in terms of if you want to create hope, you can't be reactionary. Um, I think you have to really spend time making sure that you are planning for the future and what it looks like so that you can properly communicate that vision to create hope within your team. And then the last part of that, I think, is making sure that you help your team feel connected to their part of that vision of that future of that hope um, and knowing where they fit into it and how they contribute to that so that they feel a part of it. Yeah. And Bethany talked about outcomes, right? Is the hope is the, you know, what are those tangible outcomes that we can anticipate? You know, what do we ground our hope in? Thank you, Bethany. Don. Yeah. I think that hope is, doesn't have to be positive. It's that kind of goes against what a lot of leaders probably think of I want people to feel like they're everything that they're doing is uh, is working and that everything's fine. But sometimes even in the worst situations, the idea is that there's a better future potentially ahead of us if we work together to solve that is all you really need for hope. You don't have to have all the answers. All right. Thank you. Negative Nancy. I love that. I think it's, I like that. I know. It doesn't always have to be positive. I love yeah. that. And 
And I think that's true. And leaders come up against that all the time, right? Like, hey guys, it's a pandemic. This is not positive, but what can we do to make a positive outcome out of something negative? I think that's great. Yeah, and Don talked about earlier when we were going around the horn with hope is, is, you know, one of the thoughts that Don had was developing an actual plan. Again, we're not just hoping to hope. We've talked about it's not a fortune cookie. It's not wishful thinking. It's not the hope in one hand and do this in the other hand. It's not here's the hope and like there's an actual plan, you know, behind that. And Don talked about specifically, if I feel like I don't have it, then I then I proactively go and seek it out to develop that plan too. So uh, I, I think for mine is recognizing, again, think about your organization. If I'm the owner of a company or, or a leader of a team or department or a, or a division, I want to think about that. I talked about those five sets of systems earlier there with the people, the communication, the, the management, the process, but then the strategy. We're equating hope to strategy. What have I done to be able to help my team see the vision of success and the direction that I'm hoping that we, you know, that, that, I, that I'm driving us towards, that I, that I am hoping towards, but I'm hoping towards it because I, in my my mind as the leader, I can see it. I can see the direction. And sometimes our people don't have all the dots connected. That's um, true. Even if you're an employee inside of a team, right? So if you're trying to influence the rest of the team and you want to, you're trying to become a better leader, be careful about not spreading anti-hope messages. You know, well, that's just the way this place works, or this is stupid, or this is never going to get better. Those are anti-hope messages. So that's kind of a spin on what your takeaway was, Matt, but yeah. I, I, I like yeah. that. All right. So this, again, was the the end, the last of a four-part series that we went through. Don, do you want to walk through maybe the the different, uh, the first three episodes there, and then we can tie a bow on the series? Yeah. So we're, we were excited to get to do this series. It comes from a book that's out there. So if you want to get the book, absolutely, we encourage you to. It's called Strengths-Based Leadership. It's one of the Gallup organization books. Tom Rath is one of the authors of that. So go check that out. And inside of that, if you purchase the book, you can actually take one of the strengths finder assessments. So if you've never gotten a chance to do that, take that and you'll find out what your top five strengths are. And then you can start using positive psychology to apply your top five strengths. But the book talks about what do followers need from leaders? And that's what we've gotten to go through. And so we've done a podcast episode on each of those. We've talked about trust. We've talked about compassion. We've talked about stability. And then this episode was about hope. But for those of you who are listening, I want to remind all of you that just because you're not in a management position or you don't own a company does not mean that you're not a leader. Leaders influence each other. And hopefully everybody listening wants to become a positive leader to the people that are around them. So I hope that you were asking yourself through these episodes, how can I build trust among the people I work with? How can I build compassion and show compassion with the people I work with? How can I bring around a sense of stability with the people that I work with and with my team and with my company? And then how do I build hope with my team, with the people I work with on a regular basis? Because if you can work to, do, to doing that, you might find that you become more influential, you become a more effective leader, and you might find that your work is more meaningful. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time, and in the meantime, lead well.